down anyway. All the neighbors had pestered Mr. Shoemaker to do something about it because it looked so awful and was sure to bring rats. So everybody said the fire was a blessing in disguise, and even Mr. Shoemaker said it was a relief. My father said it was the only good thing the herdmans ever did, and if they'd known it was a good thing, they wouldn't have done it at all. They would have set fire to something else, or somebody. They were just so all-around awful, you could hardly believe they were real. Ralph, Imogene, Leroy, Claude, Ollie, and Gladys. Six skinny, stringy-haired kids, all alike except for being different sizes, and having different black and blue places where they had clonked each other. They lived over a garage at the bottom of Spruill Hill. Nobody used the garage anymore, but the herdmans used to bang the door up and down just as fast as they could and try to squash one another. That was their idea of a game. Where other people had grass in their front yard, the herdmans had rocks. And where other people had hydrangea bushes, the herdmans had poison ivy. There was also a sign in the yard that said, Beware of the cat. New kids always laughed about that till they got a look at the cat. It was the meanest-looking animal I ever saw. It had one short leg and a broken tail and one missing eye, and the mailman wouldn't deliver anything to the herdmans because of it. I don't think it's a regular cat at all, the mailman told my father. I think those kids went up in the hills and caught themselves a bobcat. Oh, I don't think you can tame a wild bobcat, my father said. I'm sure you can't, said the mailman. They'd never try to tame it. They'd just try to make it wilder than it was to begin with. If that was their plan, it worked. The cat would attack anything it could see out of its one eye. One day, Claude Herdman emptied the whole first grade in three minutes flat when he took the cat to show and tell. He didn't feed it for two days, so it was already mad, and then he carried it to school in a box, and when he opened the box, the cat shot out, right straight up in the air, people said. It came down on the top blackboard ledge and clawed four big long scratches all the way down the blackboard. Then it just tore around all over the place, scratching little kids and shedding fur and scattering books and papers everywhere. The teacher, Miss Brandle, yelled for everybody to run out in the hall, and she pulled a coat over her head and grabbed a broom and tried to corner the cat. But, of course, she couldn't see with the coat over her head, so she just ran up and down the aisles hollering, here, kitty, and smacking the broom down whenever the cat hissed back. She knocked over the happy family dollhouse and a globe of the world and broke the aquarium full of 20 gallons of water and about 65 goldfish. All the time, she kept yelling for Claude to come and catch his cat. But Claude had gone out in the hall with the rest of the class. Later, when Miss Brandle was slapping band-aids on everyone who could show her any blood, she asked Claude why in the world he didn't come and get his cat under control.
You told us to go out in the hall, Claude said, just as if he were the ordinary kind of first grader who did whatever teacher said to do. The cat settled down a little bit once it got something to eat. Most of the goldfish and Ramona Billion's two pet mice that she brought to show and tell. Ramona cried and carried on so. I can't even bury them, she said, that they sent her home. The room was a wreck. Broken glass and papers and books and puddles of water and dead goldfish everywhere. Miss Brandle was sort of a wreck, too and most of the first graders were hysterical. So somebody took them outdoors and let them have recess for the rest of the day. Claude took the cat home, and after that, there was a rule that you couldn't bring anything alive.